Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. I was out in Utah uh, riding a bike. Um, a dirt bike, something that I is a passion of mine. I'll show you a quick picture of, of what it was like. Um, just an example. It's absolutely beautiful place. Um, that could be anybody. It could be a Google image that I just <laughs> pulled offline. But uh, it was it was good to be away and good to be out in in nature and, and with a group of guys and and it was fabulous. But uh, it's also really good to be back. I was found myself, as I was there, longing to come back, knowing what was coming forward for us as a church body. Um, excited to be a part of that and uh, excited to see what God um, is doing and has done. And, and you know, I grew up in the church. Um, I, since I can remember, you know, the first church that I was a part of wasn't my choice. Uh, my parents were a part of it. And and then I went to college and was a part of a, a couple different churches as I was there. And then in seminary, my wife and I found a church home that was much like Washington um, in many ways, and we loved it. And then um, came here um, almost 18 years ago. And in all of that time of, you know, I'm in my 40s now, um, I have been a part of a vision process one time. And that was... Um, well, in the, in the church and seminary, they were trying to find their way, and we were a part of meetings, but it wasn't, maybe it was a vision process, but they never came, while we were there, they didn't come to any kind of vision conclusion. Um, but when we first arrived at Washington, Washington went through a vision process um, 16 years ago, I think it was. And uh, if you, some of you who are, who are still around, you remember that, and, and that vision um, was radically different than the one we're going to talk about this morning. Um, that dealt with um, empowering families and unity in the body of Christ. Uh, those are the two core elements of that. And so we chased after that, but that vision kind of like waned a little bit. It, it, um, it morphed here for us at Washington, eventually into Roots and Wings, and then eventually into Love God, Love People. And, and six years ago, I felt this pull on my heart where God was saying to me, Jimmy, it's time. It's time for a new vision. I want to do a new thing. And at the time, I had just taken over in this current spot from, from um, uh, Pastor Don, moved on to a different ministry, and I took over him. And, and I didn't have uh, the energy, the time, or the courage to say yes to God in that moment. And so I put it off and just kept kind of doing day-to-day things. And then it got to a point where I couldn't put it off anymore, and I felt more at home and established and like, okay, we, I, I feel like we're ready. And so that was, that was about two and a half years ago. And I brought it to the elders, and, and I said, I, I think we're supposed to do this. And it was at a time that, that uh, Eric shared that at Washington, you know, we were thriving. It was packed every Sunday. You know, giving was up. Everything, every box would be checked as far as healthy church goes. And yet still, there was something there for us. There was something more for us. And that's what I, I shared. I, I said, I think God wants more for us than, than what we're currently experiencing. And the elders bravely and wisely said, yeah, let's go. We want to hear from God too. 
And so that's what happened. We entered into a process. We started having conversations with different people and how do we go forward? What does this look like? Um, it had been so long since any of us had done something like this. And certainly there are two different ways to enter into a vision process. One, which is the typical way, which is whoever's at the top tells you what to do. And they go up the mountain and they seek God, you know, kind of the Moses motif. And then they come down and they just share with everybody else, hey, this is what we're doing. And most of the time, the average person is like, that sounds great. Just tell me what to do. And we were encouraged to not do it that way. We were encouraged, eventually as we started to work with Mike, um, Mike said, no, 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 the vision rises from the people. Because God is already speaking and moving amongst the people. And so if you just listen, you'll hear it because it's already there. Because God is constantly speaking to us. In our individual lives, God is constantly speaking to us um, as a community, as a corporate community. But how often do we stop and do we listen? And so that's what we did. We, we decided we wanted to stop and we wanted to listen. And we wanted to hear what God had for us. And so we entered into this process. And we gathered as a church community. And, and if you're here, you remember we moved all these pews out of this room. And we set up tables in here. And we put chairs around <clears throat> and the book we were going through and how Mike was mentoring us, there's a st- statistic in there in which you want essentially to have 20% of your people engaged in this vision process. And that's, so from that 20, it's, it spreads from that. But if you get 20 people or 20% of the people or 23% of the people engaged and passionate about it, then that will infiltrate everybody else. And as we gathered together, we didn't know how many people would show up. But we had dinner and we, we had uh, help with kids, and we came together, and I think we had close to almost 50% of our people showing up at these meetings. Um, I mean, we literally was packed in here. There's no space. And we did that every month up till January, and in January, we did an all-day retreat here, actually, from like 9 in the morning till 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And it was absolutely, it was some amazing experiences if you guys were a part of that. And from that, we had interviews that we did, and, and we met with people, and Jason did a great job of leading that team, of reaching out and asking core questions of where do you see God moving, and what do you see happening, and, and all those meetings, and all the notes, and all the pieces of paper were all collected, uh, and then at one of the times that we gathered together, we were asked to write down names of people we thought were influential, and that we would follow, like men and women of God. And so the elders took that list, <clears throat> prayed over that list, and discerned from that list and created a vision team. And that vision team's responsibility was to take all those notes and all those images and all those pictures and all those words, and literally they put them up all over these rooms, and they sat in those rooms, and they prayed through that, and for a year and a half to almost two years, wrestled through all those things and attempted to put words to what was God, God was saying to us or a phrase, or a sentence, or a paragraph, or whatever it was going to be. And they did, and, and that's what they did. This morning, as we unveil this vision to everybody, and we're going to give you a copy of it at, after I finish, and, and uh, the vision team in, in a video will actually speak the vision for the first time over us as a congregation, and then after that, we're going to worship God and thank God. Because we believe that these words that were spoken come from the Lord. Otherwise, why waste time with them? And we believe that God has spoken to us. And that's a radical thing to say because oftentimes we just say, no, God just speaks to us here in God's word. And that's absolutely true. But God also speaks to us in different ways. God's word itself tells us that nature speaks to us about who God is. And I got to, I got to see that 
when I was out in Moab many, many times, beautiful things I got to see, and just reminders of who God is. Even a conversation I had with one of the other guys who joined us from South Bend, and, and he said, he's like, I don't know how anybody, whether they believed in God or didn't believe in God, could stand here and not say that this is beautiful and this is, this is intentional. And I was like, I'm with you. You're preaching to the choir. Um, but the Word of God also tells us that God speaks through his people. And you've probably had that experience. If you walk with God long enough, God has spoken to you from somebody else. Somebody's come to you and said, hey, I feel like you're supposed to be doing this, or can I pray for you, or whatever it may be. That's the way often that God communicates to us as well. So God speaks to us directly. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through nature. He speaks to us through his people. And I believe this vision that we have, that we've been given this gift, is the Lord speaking to us as a congregation. So the question then becomes, what are we going to do with it? Because the vision itself has no life if it's not received and taken and lived out and embodied in a way. And so what I want to do is I just want to briefly share with you from one of, I think, the most impactful scripture passages and the most beautiful example of how somebody listens to the Lord when God says something to them. And then I want to invite us as a church community here, those of us who are here this morning, those of us who are watching online, to take the same posture of this person as they received a vision from God. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, join with me in, in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how Mary responds to the vision that she's given through the angel, but directly from God. And as we're reading through the story, what I want to invite us to do is to consider our own lives as we're, we are given this vision this morning from God. How do we receive it? What's the posture that we take? And I think we all have a lot to learn from Mary and, and how Mary receives and how she chooses to say yes. And the, and the invitation for us, I think that God is saying to us, is, is I have now spoken, will you say yes? So we're going to start... In verse 28, it says this, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The first thing that stands out to me in this verse, in verse 28, or in this story in verse 28 is this, this phrase the Lord, that the angel says, the Lord is with you. God's about to invite Mary into something absolutely radical, absolutely life-changing that will literally cost her everything. But what 
God wants Mary to know is, I am with you in this. I'm with you. See, there's an element to, to walking with the Lord. And if you've ever taken a risk in your relationship with God, if God's ever called you out of something that you're doing and into something new, you've experienced the fact that if you say yes, then God <clears throat> will be with you in it. See, God doesn't ever ask us to do something that he is not willing to partner with us in and actually see into fulfillment. And that should be an encouraging thing for us. And as human beings, we often like to play it safe. We don't like to step outside the, the, the safety or the comfort of our lives. <clears throat> but when God speaks to us, when we are willing to say yes, if you had that experience and if you said yes, you see where God shows up in those ways. And they're often radical ways. And they're always ways in which you can't do it on your own. And the only way to do it is if God shows up. See, God's not just going to invite her into something and then say, good luck with it. See you on the other side. Hope it works out for you. Because that's not how the Lord works. Because when God gives something, he wants that thing to be fulfilled. And he wants that thing to be actualized and lived out. And so he makes sure that whatever it takes, it happens. But he invites us to partner in it. The Lord has spoken to us and given us a vision, and God is promising to us, Washington Church, that he will be with us to fulfill it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given it to us. The next thing I notice is it says that she was deeply troubled. Of course, she's deeply troubled. <clears throat> I mean, can you even imagine a 14 to 16-year-old receiving the news that you're going to, to have a child and you're not married and you've not known a man in any way. And not only will you have a child, but that child will be the savior of the universe and will redeem all of mankind because of your simple willingness to say yes. There's going to be questions. And that's what she says. How, how in the world is this going to happen? And she knows she's entering into uncharted territory. But she also knows her story and she knows the God who've walked faithfully with her people. And she knows any time that God has shown up, that God, my God, has shown up to these people and asked them to do something incredibly challenging. God has always been with them. So she remembers the story of Abraham and how God said, I want you to leave everything you know to be true. Follow me into an unknown place where you've never been. And I'm going to make you a father of many nations. But you're in your 80s, getting close to 90s, and you haven't had a kid yet. And you see the situation is hopeless and that your wife is unbarren and it's just not possible. And yet, the Lord spoke to something that was impossible and said, I will make it possible. And, be, and I want you to know that, that the only way this is going to happen is because I show up and I am going to do it. And that's how you'll know, Abraham, that you will be a father of many nations and that your descendants will be as vast as the stars in the sky and the sands of the seas. Or Moses, I want you to go back to the place you came from and I want you to free my people who are now enslaved. And I want you to go and I want you to confront the most powerful person in all the earth. And I want you to come against every single deity and God and demonic force that exists in Egypt and, and we're going to conquer those things together. And here's a staff. I'll see you in Egypt. But you know the story and you know the outcome. And later on, people like Samson or David, who is called to rule over Israel, Lord, lead my people, guide them. 
I'm going to anoint you as king, but you're going to have to wait 15 to 20 years to actualize that reality of that anointing and that spoken word because I have work to do in building your character and forming you into the person that I need you to be before you can lead a group of people. And then we have the stories in the New Testament, Peter, Paul. I'm going to send you to the people group whom this entire time your people said were on the outs. And now I'm, the plan is beginning to shift and open up to a wider space where everybody's invited to the party. And you're going to be the one who goes out and explains that to everybody. And you're going to have to push and fight against all the people who are like you or were like you. And they're going to disagree with you and going to push back against you, but your call is to move forward and be faithful to what I've given you, Paul. And he goes and he does it. And we're all sitting here today because of Paul's faithfulness. Mary's on that list, if not at the height, with all those people. And her willingness to be obedient to God. The angel lays out the vision that's given or the prophecy that's released, we could say. And through God's messenger, the plan of God, or this prophetic word is spoken into the reality of Mary's life. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It means it's now there. Now Mary gets to decide how she responds to that. Could she have shut it down? Yeah, she's human. She has a will. She can choose. But she doesn't. Mary, here's what's going to happen. You have the task of carrying within you the Savior of the universe. God has given us a vision to carry within us. That God, just like with Mary, will birth at the right time and will come to pass if we're willing to say yes. And I believe that this vision that will come to pass will transform not only this community of faith, but the city of Toledo at large. Amen. In verse 34, Mary inquires the details. How's this going to be? How's this going to play out? How is this even possible? It defies the very idea of what she knows and understands as reality as she knows it. Many of us here will have questions about the vision. What does it mean? How is it going to unfold? What exactly does this mean or does that mean? And that's why we're going to gather on Wednesday evening starting this coming Wednesday and once a month to have those conversations and have those questions. No longer are we saying, God, what do you want to say to us? Now we're saying, God, what do we do with what you've given us? But again, just as it rose up from you, the people, it's got to continue with you, the people, and deciding how do we move forward? What does this look like? How do we live this out? And it's an exciting thing to be a part of that rather than just being told what to do. That's the kind of church I would want to be a part of, the kind of church that I would want to lead. When I first saw the vision statement from the vision team, it was March 7th, 2021. It was after my bedtime because I actually woke up. They were here until almost midnight. Um, I think that was a Sunday. And I got a copy of the vision statement that night. I woke up and I read it. And I thought two things came to my mind. One... It's absolutely amazing. I was so encouraged by it as I read it. I thought, this is phenomenal. And two, I thought, how in the world are we going to do this? And then I went to bed. Saying, Lord, it's on you. It's on you to roll this out. It's on you to fulfill it. It's your statement. 
It's not mine. It's yours. But I can assure you of this. Trusting and leaning into God's spoken word over us is the greatest thing that we can do as a community of faith. Hands down. In verse 37, we're reminded that God's promises can never fail. We must hold on to this truth when we feel like we can't hold on any longer. Because we have to entrust that we are told that God's word doesn't fail. That means God's written word, but it also means God's spoken word. And so we've been given from God this statement for our community of faith. We have to trust that that word is not going to fail. It's not going to fall on its face. It might go through ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys, but, it, but if we believe it's from God, then we entrust that God will carry it and bring it to fruition. And then in verse 38, and this is what I want to highlight for us, and this is true whether or not it's for this vision or if it's for us as individuals as we walk with God in our personal life, the, the, the application of this is universal to both. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Literally in the Greek, it's behold the servant of the Lord, is what is, is said. Edu is the Greek word. And every time that that's used, um, in, in Hebrew it's hineni, in Greek it's, it's edu. But every time God speaks and calls somebody out, that's the response. That's what Abraham says, hineni, which means here I am. Moses, hineni, here I am. We get into Greek, it's edu, it's, it's behold. It's literally, I am present. I am here. But she says, I am the Lord's servant. And I love this as her first response because she, she's been given an impossible task. She's been told something incredibly daunting that transcends who she is and what she's even possible or capable of on her own. And yet her response is going back to her first identity and her first calling as a human being. And that is a child of the living God. So she goes back to that identity and she says, first and foremost, this is who I am. I am your child. I am a child of the living God. And because of that, I make myself available to you. Because that's what I'm designed to do. And that's who I'm designed to be. And so even though I don't understand what you're telling me, I don't fully get it, I'm going to take a posture of reception because that posture of reception speaks to the core of who I am. And so as we receive, we have to remember, we receive this as sons and daughters of the living God. And a God that believes we are capable of fulfilling what he's given us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given it to us. If he didn't think Washington Church could handle this, he wouldn't have given it to us. And he hasn't given it to Washington Church until this point because probably we couldn't have handled it until now. Even though we look around and we see the pews half empty. And we are in a world that's ravaged by a disease, by a pandemic. But for whatever reason, now is the time. And so we entrust that time. And we step into that time. And we have a posture of openness. And then she says, may it be. So not only does she say, here I am. I'm making myself available to you, God. And this is something that we need to do on a daily basis. I had this meeting this week on Thursday with somebody. And my week was like this, this week. And I know it's directly connected to this moment and this day. It was a hard week for me. I struggled, discouraged, felt low, felt this cloud over over the top. And I was so encouraged by people that reached out and prayed for me, physically showed up and prayed over me, um, even this morning. And I'm I'm so grateful for that, and I need that. And even listening to a couple Sundays ago when uh, the elders spoke, and Jason got up here, and he said what he said, and I thought to myself this week, 
he was listening to God because that's exactly what happened. It was needed. But I had this meeting on Thursday and this guy came in and we're meeting and he was sharing just this passionate guy, just loves God. He doesn't even go to Washington Church. He's connected at, at Soma City. And we've gotten to know each other because he's been a part of the discipleship program led by somebody else at Soma City. And he wanted to, to connect with me at some point. And so we've met several times. But he shares with me, he says, every day, Pastor Jimmy, I get up and I say, here I am, God, what are we going to do today? And he sells insurance. What an amazing posture to have. I don't care what you do with your life. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a teacher at a school, if you're near the medical field, whatever it is, every morning we should wake up and say, here I am, God, what are we going to do today? And he, he says, he's like, every, every day God shows up in some way, and I get to be a part of it. He says, and it's amazing. That's the posture that Mary takes, and she took. But my guess is that she had to come to that mindset even before the day that the angel arrived. She probably had that mindset. She just didn't invent it in the moment. She probably lived open and God saw her openness and said, that's the one because she lives in such a way. And then she says to the statement that she's been given, she says, may it be. It's the Greek word ginomai, which literally means to come into existence. So what Mary is saying is, may it come into existence what, she just, what you just said to me. May it happen. That's my heart's desire. May it happen. So she's aligning herself with the very spoken word of God, and she's saying, you're speaking to me. May that happen. Because you've told me that your word doesn't return void, and your promises never fail. We just sang about that. The question is, do we believe it? And are we willing to believe it? Because according to this word that's been spoken over me, I say yes. Because even if I don't understand this path that I'm walking down, that you've called me into it, Lord. You have said you will be with me. You have said that your word will not return in void, and so I'm all in. Because God, your promises never fail. Mary had absolutely no idea to the extent of what she was saying yes to. No idea. Because if she would have known, I think she probably would have said no. And I think that's true of us as well. If you've ever walked with the Lord again and God asks you to do something, God very rarely gives you the entire picture of how it's going to play out. But yet as Americans, that's what we want. Okay, here's the vision. Pastor Jimmy, what's the 10-step program to how we fulfill the vision? I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Part of the reason it's taken this so long to reveal is because the elders wrestled with that very statement and they, they were wrestling with, well, how do we do this? And we went back and forth as elders and it was a great process. Finally, we brought Mike in and we asked Mike the question, how are we supposed to do this? And Mike says, I don't know, God's going to tell you. Why would you think you're going to know everything to, to this process? It's like, if that were the case, it'd be from you and not from the Lord. And so every step of the way, and if you've been around at Washington, we've already been walking this out without even realizing it, because God is moving already among us. And I could bring people, person after person, up here to testify to that. And Mike shared examples of some of those things last Sunday as he spoke. But what's come over for me time and time again is, A, this is amazing, B, I don't know how we're going to do this, but every time we take a step forward and God meets us at that step. And then we take another step forward and God meets us at that step and tells us what to do next. And then we do that and, and, that, and that's how it's been. And that's, that's how it has to be. And that's how God works. 
And if you need all 10 steps, this this is going to be a frustrating process for you. I would love to have all 10 steps. But that's not how God works. He says, here, this is the next thing. Then you go here. Here's the, that's what happened with Abraham. That's what happened with Moses. That's what happened with David, with Paul, with everyone God has ever walked with. That's how it is. So Jesus does with the disciples. He doesn't unveil. Even he says, I want to tell you more things, but you can't handle it. That always fr- frustrates me when I read that verse. Because I want to know more things. But that's the invitation. I, I would assume that Mary, in her plans, was, I'm going to get married to this guy, Joseph. We're going to live in the Galilean region. We're going to have as many kids as the Lord will bless us with. He'll be a carpenter or a mason, and we'll, we'll do the best we can in life, and, it'll, and it will be great. It'll be hard, but it'll be great. Never did she imagine in her wildest dreams that her son would be the ultimate sacrifice that would save the world from sin and redeem the world to God. Never in her wildest dreams would she believe she'd be kneeled down, weeping at a foot of a cross as she saw her son hanging there to die. Never. And do you think if she knew that was going to happen, that she would have said yes to that? So in the same way, we have to have the faith of Mary to believe that God will give us now what we need and then reveal to us as we go what that will look like and how it will play out. And so we will take the posture of Mary as we move forward. But I can share with you that just as Mary's experience came at a great cost, our vision will come at a sacrifice and a cost. It has to. Whenever God has, has, in my own life, whenever God has taken me from someplace into something else, always something has to be shed or let go or surrendered or died to before I'm available and ready for the next. Always. There always has to be a loss on some level. And we, again, we think as an American culture that that's a bad thing, but that's actually a beautiful thing. There is no life unless there is death. That is the story in the scriptures. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will not produce any fruit. That's what has to happen. I don't know what that's going to look like, and I think part of it's already taken place, and the preparation of the soil has already been churned up for us, but I can tell you it's going to be a challenge. And it's, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be frustration, there's going to be differences, opinions of the way things should, should go or the way should be seen, and there's going to be misunderstandings. All of that fits in, but you know what? All of that sounds like my house and my family. And isn't that what we are and what we are called to be as a church, a family? And so that's okay, because we remember at the end of the day who we truly are and who we truly serve, and that's what gets us through. the last thing I want to share with you is this. Comfort and transformation don't go hand in hand. They just don't. However, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace never leaves us. Comfort, yeah, we have to learn to give that up. To embrace a new and greater peace in order to embrace a new and greater calling. Those things all go hand in hand with each other. But if you expect a comfortable ride, and, and this is part of what's hard, and my wife and I have had conversation about this, and she keeps saying, Jimmy, you got to remember, we're in a place where everything feels turned upside down. And so for church to feel like it's changing feels scary. I hear that. 
I hear that. And yet, for whatever reason, God right now in this moment has called us into what God has called us into. And so we, we trust that. Again, I'm sure Mary would say, this would be great if this could happen later. Anytime but right now. Because we don't realize what cost. <clears throat> I mean, literally, Joseph should have left her. She should have been on her own. But in God's faithfulness and grace, God brought to her what she needed to fulfill what God called her to do. God will do the same for Washington Church. And for each and every one of us on an individual level. And as we live into this, expect things to get hard. Expect things to get hard in your own life for attacks to come because that's a part of it. Because there's an enemy that doesn't want this vision to be lived out and rolled out. I can tell you that from personal experience. And yet, at the same time, I wouldn't want to be a part of any other church. That's one of the things I shared with the elders. I don't want to be a pastor of a church that just coasts. I want to be a a pastor of a church. I want to lead a church that is hungry for God and thriving and willing to do whatever it takes to do what God wants us to do. And I believe Washington has done that in the past. And I believe that Washington will continue to do that in the future. So we're being invited to receive what God is offering us. To carry it to full completion and to birth it into this world. Just as Mary did. The question becomes, are we going to be open and and available in the same way that Mary was? To receive this vision and then to begin to take it into our very being and to come together as a church community and to live it out. That's what we're being invited into. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us and over us as a church. And then we're we're going to uh, reveal the vision through the vision team. And each person on the vision team is going to speak a part of the vision on this video you're going to watch. And then we're going to worship God because we're going to take the posture of Mary and say, here we are. We don't fully get it, but we're saying yes. We don't fully know what we're saying yes to, but God, we believe it's from you. And so we're going to say yes to it. And because we believe that God has spoken to us, because that's what I want to invite us to, to take as, we're going to worship God and say, God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for for sharing this with us. Thank you for thinking that we can be entrusted with such a thing. And then as we're worshiping, the ushers are going to hand out the vision. They're going to pass plates around, offering plates. And we're going to give you a copy of the vision so that you could take it with you and chew on it. Um, And we laminate it so you can carry it in your pocket. You can put it in your Bible. And as you open the scriptures, as you have your daily quiet time, would you read through it? And would would you... Washington Church, each day say, Lord, show me, show us the way forward. Show me how to apply this in my life. Show me how to apply this in my church community that I'm committed to and a part of. And then Wednesday night, we're going to gather together. We're going to start having conversation about what this looks like and how it's fleshed out, how we continue to live it out. And each, each Wednesday night at the beginning of the month, we're going to do that. We're going to have food, we're going to have child care, we're going to probably meet in the chapel, we'll get tables and chairs together, and we're going to, we're going to keep putting our face towards the Lord and saying, God, what, what ne- what's next? What's next? What's next? And then when God continues to speak to us and flesh out what we're supposed to do, we're going to say, okay, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to say yes. We're going to continue that posture. We're going to learn from Mary and what Mary has to teach us and many other people in the scriptures. And we're going to keep going. 
I'm going to invite you to stand as I pray for us and over us. And then to hear the vision. And then to worship the Lord with song. Father, you are with us. We thank you for this process. We thank you for the hours of wrestling and talking and listening that has taken place to bring us to this place. I pray over Washington Church this morning that you would give us a posture like Mary had of open reception to you, of saying yes to what you have for us. God, I pray that you would take your word, this word that you've given us, this vision, and you would make it come alive in us, each and every one of us. And as we come together, we would see it. And as we live our individual lives, wherever we are, it would bleed out of us and pour out of us. And that your joy would be our joy. And Lord, I pray that we'd hold on to the fact that we are your children and we have a call and a purpose. And also, Lord, that your promises never fail. Your word never returns void. And so we receive that and we hold on to it tight and we we will hold it before you and say, Lord, you fulfill this. Fulfill your promise. And we trust that you will. And I pray that you would awaken every person in this room, Lord. Reveal to them through the power of your spirit what their calling is and what their giftings are. And they begin to live those out and bring those to the table and use them as well. Because we're going to need all of it to do what you are asking us to do. We entrust it to you, Lord. It is something that we cannot do on our own, and we freely admit that. And Father, we confess to you the sin in our life that we need to lay down in order to make ourselves available to you. We don't want anything to get in the way of you using us to move things forward. So we are grateful. We thank you for speaking to us, and we worship you, Lord. Your name, Jesus, the name above all names, the one who came and died for us so that we could be made right with you. We say thank you and amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.